Fox fans. How's everyone doing? Casey Phillips here with senior writer and editor Scott Smith. And as always, this is Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite, where we take your questions, thoughts, comments, all of that. And I always love the show in the offseason because there's so much for us to talk about in terms of free agency and draft and a lot of potentials, you know, that instead of breaking down individual games or plays or things like that, we get to kind of be a little bit more hypothetical and look at the big picture here. So uh, as we give people a chance to start asking some of those questions and tell us what's on their mind, I know that uh, we sort of are at an interesting point in the calendar when it comes, especially to the franchise tag. So tell everybody a little bit about the the timing of what all is going on at this point in the year and, and when we might know some things. Yeah, when you win the Super Bowl, these things come up on you fast. Uh, <laughs> usually you're writing about, in a few weeks, this is going to happen. It's already upon us. Yesterday was the beginning of the two-week window in which teams can use franchise or transition tags. Uh, it ends on March 9th. It always is supposed to end eight days before the start of free agency. Obviously, um, free agents need some time to plan for free agency based upon whether or not they have that tag or not. Um you know, the Buccaneers last year used it on Shaq Barrett. Everybody knows that. And just as a reminder, they waited until the very last day of that window to actually put that tag on officially, which makes sense. You might as well just continue negotiating on a possible long-term deal until the last minute. And then that franchise tag often serves as basically a way to extend that exclusive window. Uh, it didn't work out in terms of getting Shaq to a long-term deal last year. Both sides think that had a lot to do with the pandemic. It just made everything difficult. Uh, so now we're back needing another contract for Shaq. So he's an option, although his um, his salary would be very high on the tag because it would be 120% of what he got last year. You got Chris Godwin, Levante David, a bunch of a bunch of guys that could be candidates. And I know that uh, Chris Godwin is definitely one a lot of people have talked about. And he uh, was on the Pat McAfee show yesterday and was asked, of course, about free agency and all of his decisions. And uh, what did it sound like in terms of um, what could happen with him? And, and overall, if you just look at this team, you know, how many of these free agents do you think it's feasible we could keep? And, and who would the franchise tag maybe make the most sense for? Well, I think uh, in terms of how many we keep, you know, there's 24 free agents. Obviously, there's there's a subset that's a higher priority. And uh, I think it was maybe on a serious show uh, recently, Coach Arian said that there's six guys, he didn't say which, that are the biggest priority and that they hope they can keep at least five of them. Obviously, six would be the best. But um, I think I probably named most of them there. You could probably also throw into that group, Ryan Suckup, Leonard Fournette, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown. Um, I hope I didn't forget anybody in Dominican Sioux if I didn't already say that one. Um, you know, the most likely guy probably for the tag is Chris Godwin. And yeah, he said a, a number of things that frankly is what you would expect him to say. Um, he's a, he's a great player about to get his first big payday, which is a, a big moment in a great player's career. And he's also a very smart guy. And he's a guy coming off of a, um, a, a world championship that believes this is a team that could chase more of them. And he said a number of things, including, you know, this is his chance to get paid and that's what you play for. And of course he said that. And he also said he likes it here. And he said he wouldn't take a little bit more to go to a place where he'd be miserable. So, you know, he's not gonna, it doesn't sound like he would just chase the absolute highest contract, regardless of where it was. And those kind of things I think should give you optimism as a Buccaneers fan. And just a reminder to everybody, if you have questions for us, you can put them in the comment section of the live video on Facebook. Um, and I just wanted to hear a little bit about the way that this team was structured. And we, we think of it as the individual guys, but are there maybe positions that would be more important to try to hang on to that player based on trying to replace them? You know, that instead of looking at it as just 
that guy individually, right. um, looking at it a little bit in, in that direction. Yeah, I think I might have said this before, um, when trying to determine which of these, all these free agents you most want to get back, you know, you got to look at both Levante and Shaq because I think they would be difficult to replace. Um, you know, Shaq's sack totals, he missed the last game of the year. I think he went down to maybe, he went from 19.5, leading the NFL down to eight or nine this year. But the peripheral stats like pressure show that he was just as good. So you're talking about one of the better pass rushers in the league, and those are hard to find. And we would be very difficult to replace. You might feel a little bit better about it if you were picking in the top 10, even although this isn't a great year for pass rushers, but it's going to be hard to find a guy that you would really expect to be as impactful as, as Shaq Barrett at pick number 32. And then Levante David, uh, you know, a, a player, there, there are some good linebacker prospects in the draft, but I, I know you want to try to win the Super Bowl again this year. And I'd be hard pressed to expect you could find a guy that's as good as Levante to step in. I think by the end of the year, it was pretty clear that having Levante and Devin White together there, probably the best inside linebacker duo in the NFL was really what was driving how good that defense was. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, and Justin had asked, uh, who do you think is open for restructuring? So let's kind of pair that with a question just overall about the salary cap situation, what we know, because I think since our last show is maybe when the league was coming out saying a little bit more about what the salary cap number would even be. So what, what do we know about that situation now? Well, what they did was they agreed, the union and the, and the uh, league agreed to raise the, the floor, the lowest possible thing that the salary cap would be this year to 180, which is down almost 20 million from last year. And that, that's an unprecedented situation. And we all know the reason why, but uh, when teams are planning, uh, they, they look at the last however many years and every year the salary cap has gone up by a pretty decent margin. So when you're planning before this pandemic hits and everything changes, you're kind of expecting that again. So it would have gone from 198 to maybe 210 or something. So it could be as many as, 30 million less than what a team expected a little over a year ago. Um, and so that's obviously going to make things more difficult. And that's why I think you're going to see a lot of teams having to do some restructuring this year. And, and probably it's a popular strategy, even more so than usual, because the basic concept of restructuring a guy's contract, which usually, in, usually involves taking a salary that he's going to get paid during that year and converting into, into a bonus that he gets right then. And bonuses are then prorated over the remaining length of the contract. So you can take a guy, give him the same amount of money, but it makes much less of a cap hit this year, but you're kicking the can down the road and you're going to take that cap hit at some point. But in this situation with the cap going down this year and hopefully going back up next year, and then maybe going back up by a lot in 2022, it kind of makes some sense to kick the can down the road a little bit and try to spread out those, those impacts. So I don't really have a good list of, of who the Bucks might do that with and don't really want to speculate. But in terms of it, you, you're looking for players who have um, a high base salary this year and a structure that doesn't involve a lot of guaranteed money and, and dead cap hits. That's a, that's a great point. Um, Samuel asked, are we interested in JJ Watt or is that outside of the capability with the cap? Yeah. I mean, the only way I could see that is if the Bucks didn't pursue and or were able to keep guys like um, Shaq Barrett and Dominic Sue. And I do believe that our focus is going to be on our guys first. And, you know, Jason Light and Mike Greenberg and Jackie Davidson and all of them, they're going to get creative if they need to uh, with contracts and, and the salary cap and find a way to make it work. But that doesn't change the fact that there's not a ton of wiggle room. The Bucks don't have a ton of wiggle room to start uh, free agency. And if they're trying to get five of those guys back, it's going to, it's not going to be easy. So it kind of makes it a very 
tight window to try to bring in a guy like J.J. Watt, who may not get exactly what he was supposed to get as a salary for the the uh, Texans before they agreed to let him go, but he's probably still expecting a pretty good payday. So, uh, and the other thing is, you probably want to find out if you can get Shaq and Ndamukong Sue and those guys back before you would make a decision on a J.J. Watt. And by then he might have already signed with another team. And uh, Seth brought up, what do you think happens with O.J. Howard? So there's there's a lot we can talk about with O.J. that in terms of when we think he'll be healthy and what his contract situation is him cam gronk you know how how that could look moving forward do we do we have all of them keep all of them just kind of overall what do you see is how oj howard would affect uh whatever that position group is going to look like well the first thing to keep in mind is the buccaneers did pick up his fifth year option they had to make that decision last year before his fourth season and they did uh and to me you know in contrast to say contract contrast to say like a vernon hargraves where they didn't Picking up OJ's contract for the fifth year, which doesn't mean they have to keep him. It just guarantees it for injury. You can still release or waive OJ Hart if you want to. I'm not suggesting that would happen. But my point being, they did pick up that option. And they had at that point, I believe, already traded for Rob Gronkowski. So they still saw the value in having both of those guys. I thought in the early part of last season, it looked really good having Gronk and OJ together. It looked to me like OJ was going to have a big year until he had the Achilles injury. Now, the fact that he had the injury in week four, it was devastating at the time and we all felt terrible for him, but at least it was early in the season, which meant he could immediately have the surgery and start his rehab and hopefully be ready for the start of the season. Cause that's a pretty, an Achilles injury, Achilles tendon injury is a tough one to come back from. It takes a while. Uh, so I think he should be ready to go. And I think that the Buckners would like to see what he and Gronk could do on the field together over a longer term. And then do you feel like with Cam Brate and what we saw this year with him, you know, how that affects, do we do, are all three of them, you know, people we want to have back and again, salary cap situations of just, you know, keeping everybody. Is that, is that a group where you feel like a lot of people, of course, last year were speculating about trading one of them because it was such a just insane amount of riches at that one position. But then of course we saw that one guy gets hurt and boy, you really needed both Cam and Gronk for that Super Bowl run. Yeah, I think that's your final point there is probably where I would have started. It does, though. You do have to factor in the salaries. I mean, Cam is making a pretty good salary. Um, Gronkowski would probably be making a pretty good salary if he signs again for, say, one year. OJ's fifth-year contract option does bump up his his rookie salary quite a bit. So you would be devoting a lot of salary to that position. And like we said, it is tight. So I guess it depends on how tight it becomes if the Buccaneers can afford to keep all three. But personally, I think the the first option when you're, when you're trying to basically the Buccaneers are going to be in the same mode starting this season as they were last year, when it was clear that they were all in, I think that they're going to be all in as much as they can to try to win it again this year, because they've got the the, the team to do it if they can keep it together. Absolutely. And Francisco had asked, do you see us trading up for anyone in this draft class? Are there going to be people or positions that would be worth moving up from 32? I would be much more, uh, I, I think it'd be much more likely that the Bucks would trade down. And, uh, you know, I read an interesting piece and it's not my original thought. I think it might've been Bill Barnwell of ESPN, but was pointing out that um, in this uncertain year, when you don't have a combine and you don't have as many games during the season, you have a bunch of players that are top prospects who even opted out of the season. So the last tape you have of them is 2019. Um, it makes you feel like, draft picks are a lot more uncertain. So 
you know, probably the best idea is to have as many of them as possible because the draft is always a crapshoot. But this year, it's even a little bit harder to be sure of a guy. So the more chances you have at it, the better chance you have of hitting on some of those draft picks. So, um, you know, some teams will probably look at it the other way and say, because it's more uncertain, I want to move up and get one of the the top prospects, but I kind of agree with the other idea that um, with the even greater uncertainty, the best approach is to have as many picks as possible. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. Um, Austin said, I know Brady is returning this next year, but at what point do we start thinking about QB life after Brady? I think what you do is if you're Jason Light and Bruce Arians is you keep your you keep your eyes open and you're ready to make a move anytime one makes sense, but I don't think it becomes a top priority yet, particularly when, um, when uh, Jason light goes on the, on the uh, Rich Eisen show and says, Tom Brady's, you know, there's a potential interest in extension. So we may be talking a couple of years down the road. So uh, also picking 32nd in every round, you know, it's not necessarily conducive to getting a, a top blue chip prospect and, you know, how long, if you're going to get a guy nowadays in the NFL, how long, if you take a, a quarterback that's, you want to be your quarterback of the future, how long do you really want him to sit on the bench, right? It, it seems to me to make more sense to continue to right now, at least in 2021, to have veteran backups to Tom Brady. All right. And then uh, we had a question of from Jasper about what do you think would be the best position to draft for this year? And of course, there's a few different ways you can take that in terms of just the strength of the draft or the highest need for the Bucks, so if uh, you can either pick one of those or, or both of those, would, are they the, the same or different in your mind? Well, it, it, the need, the biggest need for the Buccaneers is probably gonna be determined by what happens in the next few weeks and months in free agency. So if you lose Shaq Barrett, I think it's pretty clear that edge rusher was probably your biggest need because this is not a roster with a lot of glaring needs. If you, can't, if you could assume the return of all of these guys, there isn't a position where the Buccaneers are really, really lacking. And last year it was very, very clear that they needed another offensive tackle. We all knew that we mocked it in every single draft and they made sure it happened this year, not so much. And like, for instance, the entire offensive line is, is signed for next year. So starting line that is. So uh, that, or if you were to lose in Dominican Sioux, um, you know, maybe some interior line depth would make a lot of sense, you know, because also Nacho and Steve McClendon are free agents. So depending on what happens with all those guys, I think those two positions could end up being the biggest needs just in terms of numbers. All right. Well, that is going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Thanks as always for joining us and for those amazing questions. And we'll be back here next week. Bye.